It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hi everyone, it's John. I know that this is an incredibly strange and scary time right now. And before we get to this week's episode, I just wanted to express on behalf of everyone at Yankees Magazine how grateful we are for the doctors and all the other heroes who are helping the entire baseball community and people all over the globe. This is a weird time to be talking about baseball, and we get that. There are a million more important things in the world right now, but if you're in the mood, here's a light and fun discussion about the sport you love. If you'd rather not listen at this moment, we get that too. We know that you all have a lot of questions. We do too. Unfortunately, we don't know any more answers than you do right now. We can't wait to get back to business as usual, and we hope the guys are back in the field soon and things start getting back to normal. Now, back to the Yankees Magazine podcast. This episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast is brought to you by the MLB app. Yankees baseball is always live with the MLB app. Follow the action with game tracking and video highlights, along with up-to-the-moment stats, standings, breaking news, and more. Download the MLB app today. It's your number one app for Yankees baseball. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Yankees Magazine podcast. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have our senior editor, Jake Kring Schreifels. How's it going, John? It's going great. Thank you so much. And joining us, we have our associate editor, Gary Phillips. How are you guys doing? Things are pretty good over here. You know, I think, uh, I hope by now most of you who are listening know this, but the Yankees Magazine podcast is now just one piece of the Yankees Magazine podcast network, obviously, along with Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. We already released our first episode, but the next one comes out next week on Tuesday. And I hope that if you haven't already, you'll subscribe, you'll download it, you'll listen. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to be bringing in a lot of guests. We're going to have some really awesome conversations with Bucky and with people close to him. So I know I'm really excited about this, and I hope that everyone who hasn't already subscribed will Of course, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts, and I hope you do. But let's talk a little bit about things that are happening generally in Yankees land right now. You know, it has been a few weeks of spring training right now. Not all stories necessarily the best, but Gary, I'm curious, what's been something that has struck you as a a positive so far as you've been watching? Well, I've been really interested and tuned into just the young pitchers, especially the starters, and with... Luis Severino out for the year, James Paxson starting the year on the IL. It's becoming increasingly likely that more than a few of these guys are going to make substantial impact this season. So guys like Clark Schmidt, Michael King, Davey Garcia, Jordan Montgomery coming back from Tommy John last year. It's been fun watching these guys in spring training, knowing that they're not going to be guys you see just down the road, but also right away at the start of the season. Jake, who surprised you so far? I think it's got to be, for me, uh, Kyle Higashioka. There is 
a lot of question marks, I think, about what he was going to bring for a full season as the backup this year. And I think so far he's been doing a good job. I think he has three home runs right now. And, you know, they have new they have a new co- catching coach, Tanner Swanson. And I think, you know, he's getting some more reps with Gary being out for the next few days. It's 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 kind of cool to see some of these guys really step up. You have Josh Tolley, you have Chris Iannetta. Really the whole catching unit has been a nice surprise in that respect. I think they've all kind of started to really take this backup job seriously, knowing that there's a real chance for them. And so I, I think that that's been the most promising so far. If anyone, whether they're a fan or a player or, you know, a new player was paying attention in 2019, you know, the fact of the matter is some of these guys who are doing really well right now are going to end up at AAA, but my God, you know, you better be ready to come play and be a major league, whether you're a catcher, whether you're an infielder or an outfielder or a pitcher or whatever. There's no time for uh, feeling bad about yourself, I guess, because we've already seen, unfortunately, plenty of injuries this month. And if 2019 is any indication, the AAA team needs to be ready to be the major league team. And the success of last year was largely due to the fact that those guys were. And, you know, that has to replicate itself, obviously, this year. But it's definitely going to be fun to watch. Those things you both mentioned, I think, you know... The batteries we both mentioned, I guess, really. <laughs> yeah, and championship teams are made up the middle. You know, I mean, this, this is uh, pretty basic baseball stuff. But at the same time, yeah, Austin Romine played a huge role on this team last year. Whether he plays 20 games or 60 games or 160 games, there's a lot that we're going to need to see from Higashioka if he's the backup catcher. And you already know, Gary, that we're going to be relying on our starting pitching depth from the minors to bridge this gap in the early going of the season. So, yeah, it's been fun to watch some of these guys uh, throwing so far. Yeah, I think what's interesting, too, is that they're already in a very similar position as they were last year as far as knowing that they're going to need guys who probably weren't supposed to be on the opening day roster stepping up right away. But a lot of these faces are different than the guys who came in and stepped up last year you know like the young pitchers you know jake listed off the whole list of new backup and minor league catchers that they have so a lot of those guys who did come in and kind of exude that next man up mentality last year they're not here anymore so can a new crop of faces do that well some of them are in fact the next man up now (laughs) now they are the men up well also consider the fact that a lot of these guys, having watched last season, now know that spring training is really their audition for the team in the sense that you know, maybe last year they were, they were going to say, well, you know, I'm going to put a good effort, but I know I'm probably going down to AAA for most of the year. Now they know they're putting on a good effort and they probably will be up soon in April or May potentially. So there's a little bit, I, I feel like there's always a little bit different mentality when you have that imminent understanding this could be you right now on this team in Yankee Stadium within a few weeks. Absolutely. So I guess part of the reason I've been asking you guys to uh, tell me what's been going on around spring training is that I've basically been away from American sports for the past week. I was uh, in London working on a future story for Yankees magazine, but it brought up a lot of what I actually did want to talk to you guys about today. And part of that is I, for one, have always been fascinated by the international game. And I think that Look, we work in Yankee Stadium. We work for the Yankees. Our goal is to build up the Yankees brand. But when you look at where there is growth, room for growth in Major League Baseball, 
it's overseas. I mean, that's just the way it is. I think that we want every American fan we can get to watch the sport, but the ideal has to be to get people all over the world watching it. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious for, for both of you guys before we get started in, in really talking about some of this stuff, when it comes to whether it's the World Baseball Classic or whether it's the London Series last year or the Olympics, which, you know, hopefully Team USA will be able to participate in this coming July. What is your connection with international baseball? I think the most I've paid attention to it, obviously, I watched the Yankees-Red Sox games in London last year, but I've really enjoyed the World Baseball Classic, and I think it's gotten progressively better each time that they've had it. The last time around, with fans going crazy, it had a very soccer-like atmosphere to it, as far as fans brought in vuzelas and made all different kinds of noise and cheering sections and large banners and signs, and It'd be really cool to see that type of energy at MLB stadiums year-round. And I think that's one of the things that MLB is looking at as far as fan engagement and figuring out how they can make games like that a regular occurrence. But that's been probably the most enjoyable thing for me as far as international baseball goes. Almost like the Coliseum in Oakland a little bit has that flavor sometimes. So you got the ba- you know, they got the drums banging in the outfield and... There doesn't seem to necessarily be, even though that team has not always been the best, especially in recent years, it's kind of gone on and off, but there always seems to be energy there where I think you're maybe noticing that. Yeah, you know, that that's a really good observation, I think. I've, I've always loved the World Baseball Classic. Full disclosure here, I was working at Major League Baseball when we started. I was very, you know, involved in trying to put together, you know, a lot of the programs and things like that for the first one when we had no information about this event but you know i've always said that the the key to the world baseball classic for me and obviously the reason we're talking about this right now is we're going to start having qualifiers here pretty soon and you know the qualifiers for for the world baseball classic that's something they didn't have in those first iterations and that makes it even more exciting because you get more countries involved even for a few days one of them being great britain where i just like i said i just was talking to some people about this stuff I always think that, you know, in this country especially, we spend so much time with the World Baseball Classic focusing on the guys who aren't there that you lose sight of the people who are there. And if you watch them and if you talk to them, which, you know, as a journalist, I've had the ability to do, they're they're not thinking about, you know, the difficulties and the pitch counts and everything like that. They're just having the time of their lives. These games are just pure id. I always get a little frustrated when people are just like, ah, you know, it's not real baseball or it's not this or blah, blah, blah. It's just like, just watch it. And I promise you, if you watch it, you're going to enjoy it. So, so having been at Major League Baseball for some World Baseball Classics, do you have any standout experiences from things that you've covered or things you experienced while being at MLB at the time? One thing I'll always remember is 2006, the first World Baseball Classic. You know, again, no one really had any idea what it was going to be. And I remember I was in Arizona, so I was covering the games there. So the first game I covered was the USA versus Mexico and Chase Field wasn't full by any means but it was just so much fun and then you know the USA team it was obviously you know stacked and 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 the favor to move out of that uh um, pool but in their second game they lost to Canada and that Canada team the night before was part of what is probably still my favorite memory covering baseball which is you know, like I said, we had been at the USA-Mexico game at Chase Field. That night, Canada was playing against South Africa in Scottsdale, at Scottsdale Stadium where the Giants trained. So Chase Field is like this, you know, big, huge, 
box of a ballpark and Scottsdale Stadium is this tiny little jewel in the middle of a, you know, a little town. And my boss really wanted to go to that game. And I just felt like, you know, man, I was at a spring training camp this morning. Then I covered this game in the afternoon, Canada, South Africa. Like, do we have to? And he's like, no, 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 we got to go. It's going to be amazing. And I'm just sitting there, you know, looking at my watch the whole time, kind of thinking like restaurants are closing, man. And I haven't had dinner and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, in the bottom of the eighth inning, South Africa takes a lead on Canada. Now, Canada had real players. It had major league players on it. South Africa had one minor leaguer called Barry Armitage, and the rest of them were literally like construction workers and teachers back in South Africa who had been brought here. They take the lead on Canada, and all of a sudden, everyone in this tiny stadium is just going nuts. You would think that like Canada had at one point been responsible for dropping a nuclear bomb in the United States, and we hated them forever as a result of it because everyone in that room hated Canada. Canada took the lead back in the top of the ninth and won, but I'll just never forget sitting there and just like at this event that no matter how much I love baseball and how excited I was for it, like I just totally didn't want to be at. And then watching this group of South African kids and adults, I mean, some of them were way above their prime, taking a lead on Canada at the end there. And then, like I said, the next day, Canada goes and beats the United States. So it, it was just this sense of total unknown. Anything can happen. And I I was already pretty hooked on the idea of the World Baseball Classic. And then watching that, for, literally, the first day of games in the United States, I was just like, this is perfect. And there were, you know, in subsequent years, other games that were great too, but nothing will ever touch that, that day. I've actually been to a game in Puerto Rico, uh, there was like a Puerto Rican winter league when I was happened to be there and the stadiums. I mean, I don't know what the league was going, if they were going through some tough economic times, there were not many people in the stadiums at all. And you know, that league maybe doesn't have the same kind of financial backing as others, but it was, it was also, it was very strange. I remember Felipe Lopez was playing in that game. JC Romero, former reliever. There's really nobody really paying attention security wise. I went up to JC Romero while he was out in the bullpen, just, Ended up chatting with him for a long time, <laughs> and it's it's great because they all love playing baseball. All the fans that were there are really invested. There's pina coladas being you know sold in the in the in the uh, alleyways there, and so there was a lot of uh, flavor there. But I also felt like um, you know there there could be so much more. A lot of those stadiums just they were built for these huge crowds. And I'm not sure what it is today. This was several years ago, but I'm not sure what kinds of audiences or crowds they still get now. But I, I do think that there is this moment when they're playing the World Baseball Classic in some of those stadiums in San Juan. I mean, it's it's electric when you when you see it on TV. In January, I was lucky enough to be in the Dominican Republic for a story I wrote on Jason Dominguez. And for the second time, I went to a Dominican League game. Now, the first time I went a few years ago, it was a meaningless game of two teams that had already been eliminated from the championship contention. This time it was during like the Dominican League's equivalent of the World Series. And I really got to experience then the rabid craziness of these winter league games of the, you know, the bands and the noisemakers and people going absolutely crazy. And it was, it was eye opening. Um, you know, this past week, like I said, I was in London and I went to a, a football match or soccer match, if you will. Um, I saw Chelsea and Everton and kind of been hoping for a while to get to a premier league match and to finally see one to see what those crowds are like there it just makes you really think about everything that you're used to seeing in american sports it, the closest thing you're reminding me to in america is college football just complete passion and excitement and just rabid 
chanting and all these things. It was just, it was just incredible. So the reason that I bring this stuff up right now is not just because of the qualifiers for the World Baseball Classic coming up, but I was really interested when I was over there to kind of see what kind of impact that those Yankees and Red Sox games had now that we're about eight months later. And, you know, the answer was, you know, we'll see kind of. And, and I had a great chance to speak to someone from Major League Baseball Europe, which is, you know, the office that put on those games. And, you know, he was very clear about the fact this isn't a one-year plan. This is a, you know, a plan of, you know, a generation long. He corrected me when I pointed out that, you know, the ways that the NFL, it's taken them 10 years to make the strides that they've made over there. He reminded me, actually, it's more like 25 to 40 years when you think about, you know, the World League games that were happening there and how exposed they had been for a long time to American football. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what you'll see is if you go into like a sporting goods store, whether it's Nike or they have a thing called JD Sports there and Lily White, you know, you'll see NFL stuff everywhere. A couple of times I would see Yankees hats on people and I actually went up to two of them and it was just like, hey, I'm so sorry to you know, ask this, but uh, are you wearing that because you like the Yankees or are you wearing that because of fashion? And they both said fashion. So, you know, you, you can see the work that there is to be done and the work that they're doing, but it's just fascinating to see the way that this is going to grow and the commitment they have to making sure that baseball is big in Europe. Did you see anybody or any merchandise in stores an increase as a result of last year? Or was it all really just football stuff and they kind of haven't made that leeway yet in Major League Baseball? Candidly, I'll say I did not see anything. I, I went really in the middle of central London, so like on Regent Street, that area near Oxford Circus where the Nike town is and things like that. So all the stores over there, that's where people told me I'd have the most luck seeing something. And I saw baseball equipment, but I did not see any displays of hats or shirts or anything like that. Everywhere I went, the, the people in the store said, like, oh, I can order something for you or whatever. And I was trying to explain to them, like, no, I'm actually – I'm pretty. I'm pretty set on Yankees hats. <laughs> so, like, even seeing the equipment, though, is that considered? That's what I was wondering. An improvement from last year, or is that? Yeah, was that normal prior was, to the London? I series? was wondering that, and I asked, and it seemed there is a. You know, first off, there's a culture there of a game called rounders, which is not only like a variation on baseball, but it's kind of believed to be the the origin of baseball. There's actually a big softball culture there of like beer league softball that. You know, in my conversations with the MLB executive who's, who's working on this stuff, one of the things they're doing is they're investing in modified version of beer league softball, where the rules are a little different and things like that. But what they're trying to do is encourage, you know, participation to get people interested in baseball, because their belief is much in the way that, you know, you show them a live game, which they did twice last year, and that'll pique their interest. You also, you know, get them playing more, and that will too. One of the funny experiences I had is I saw while I was over there the Broadway transplant, Dear Evan Hansen, and there's a song, the, se the opener of the second act is about breaking in a baseball glove. And I was looking around the crowd and I'm wondering how many of these people have any, have any clue about breaking in a baseball glove and is this resonating with them in any way, this idea of, you know, putting shaving cream on it and putting it under your bed. And, and you know, this is a story that's so familiar to me and it, it's so evocative of my childhood and it's a fine song in the show, but I'm wondering, is this, does this mean anything to any of the people who are actually listening to it? And, and I didn't necessarily know. Gary, how long did you wager John was going to bring up a Broadway musical into this podcast? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I figured it would come up somewhere. I, I figured he would have made his way out to one while he was in London. So. My, re my reputation precedes me. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because having covered the NFL um, previously, I got a chance to go see a, a game in London 
And it is weird when you're at Wembley Stadium, there really isn't a fan base for a team necessarily in in, in any section or it, it just basically you wear your favorite team's jersey and you just go to the game. You know, at this point, it's mostly feels like an exhibition for them, even though it does mean something for these actual teams. It doesn't feel like you're at a home game. And that was the thing. So I, I spent one evening speaking with a guy named Jack Brown. He runs the Twitter handle NY Yankees UK, and he organizes, you know, a lot of like meetups to watch games and, and, and think he kind of like unofficially runs the UK Yankees community. And he was mentioning both in terms of the football, but also the baseball, you know, at the Yankees Red Sox games last year, you didn't necessarily just see Yankees and Red Sox hats. You saw it as a celebration of baseball. Anyone who had baseball stuff wore that. It didn't matter what team it was. You weren't out of place if you were in a Pirates shirt there or an Indian shirt there. It was just wear your baseball stuff. And in speaking with Charlie Hill from MLB, he, he made the point that, yeah, that, that's the goal. Like We're just trying to promote baseball. And, and they said how fortunate they were and how lucky and how grateful they were that it wasn't just, okay, and I don't mean any disrespect when I say this, it's going to sound like it, take the Mariners and Rangers and go play there. No, it was Yankees-Red Sox. And this year it's going to be Cubs-Cardinals. And that makes a huge difference. We're not just taking your money here. We're, we're literally bringing you our best version of this sport. Now, it didn't necessarily look like the best version of baseball at all times mm-hmm. because the stadium was a little weird, but you know, you're getting the Yankees and Red Sox. We're, we're not messing around here. We're not giving you two games that wouldn't sell out. From, from the people you talk to, are they planning on doing anything different this year? Or even with fans, is there anything that the people over there want to see done differently or want to see changed this year? That's a great question. They're, they're, they are working on all that stuff. So, you know, one thing that they have found is you can't just give these fans two games and tell them you know this is baseball and then pack up and move out you know the idea is first off because of the nature of the time difference a lot of these fans are used to condensed games right well, i was gonna ask they have to start watching games at 1 a.m really well, that's that's for the east coast imagine the west coast right you know so, so there are a lot of them you know they they live on through contextual highlights um mm-hmm. and condensed games and things like that so you know, one thing he mentioned, you know, the idea was, and this goes back to the celebration of baseball, they treated it a lot more like you see at an all-star game or something like that, where there's kind of like events between innings a little bit. And, they, you know, they brought the freeze over from Atlanta to do something because not because the Braves were involved in the game, but because, you know, here's a little thing that, that we have at baseball stadiums. So they're really big on things like the experience, the music, the cheers. They were technically Red Sox home games last year, but, you know, they did the YMCA and they did Sweet Caroline. And that was the kind of stuff that resonated in the stadium. Getting the food right, making sure that there are events around, you know, different baseball food things, publicizing things like the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby and all these things, things that are very easy to understand for these fans. That's the kind of stuff that they're looking to do there. And look, they hope that they're going to get the same number of fans. There's kind of something going on in the world right now that is making some of this stuff a little hard. So they're, they're hoping everything goes right. But the idea is, and again, they kept on making this point. They're not viewing this as, you know, well, we'll see what happens and we'll judge if it's a success or not. Like they'll, they'll know if this is a success or not 20 years from now. It's not realistic to think that there's going to be a major league team there, but is there a stadium there? Is there, is there some sort of baseball facility there? Like there is in say, you know, San Juan, where they have you know a, a major league ready stadium essentially is there going to be something right. like that in great britain in 
you know, 10 years where they can go back every year and do this and not have to, you know, jerry rig a stadium to make it work. If you look at the NFL 10 years later, more than a decade, we have no team there in London. And I know that there's been a lot of discussions about that still being a possibility, but it's really hard to convince owners, to convince fans, to convince a lot of other factors into that, into moving an entire franchise somewhere that also has a lot of labor intensive issues with it. Uh, flying across the Atlantic Ocean is probably the biggest one. And that, for a baseball season itself, probably uh, is not the easiest thing to do for a lot of teams. Well, I also have to point out, you know, the people who make this argument about the team in London are often people on the East Coast who have a seven-hour flight to London. You know, when you're talking about that London team playing Seattle (laughs) and having, you know, a 12-hour flight, that makes things a little different, too. Right. You know, going back to, like, just the success of the London series and what... Major League Baseball hopes to get out of this down the road. I think what's interesting when you're comparing it to the NFL is that they don't send their best teams over to London more often than not. You know, usually it's the Jaguars more often than not and some other not so great team. Whereas before, John, you made the point like they sent the Yankees and Red Sox, they're sending the Cardinals and Cubs. So I'll be curious to see what kind of dividends that pays versus the approach the NFL has taken over the years. I think that's the goal for it to have a huge dividend and play a huge role. And, you know, it's not just that the Yankees and Red Sox are, you know, two great teams that had met in the playoffs the year before. It's that the Yankees brand is so recognizable everywhere. Are you saying the Jaguars isn't? I am saying the Jaguars are not. (laughs) I, I think that speaking to the MLB people, they were very clear in 2021, they're probably, it's at this point, it looks like probably not going to be, to London games. You know, their their job is to promote the sport all over Europe. They can't just focus on London. But again, this all goes back to what I was saying. There are a lot of countries in Europe that actually have more of a baseball heritage than we realize. Germany, you know, has Max Kepler right now. And the Netherlands has Bert Blylevin. And these are things that they resonate in such huge ways in these countries. So, you know, we mentioned the WBC qualifying going on right now. And Great Britain's a long shot to qualify, but if some of the work that's been done, some of the, you know, think about the equipment that the Yankees and Red Sox donated last year and that the work that MLB did with youth groups there. If 20 years from now, there's a player possibly competing on some sort of like real level, this is where the seeds are being planted for that kind of thing. And I was actually half joking with the guy I was speaking with. And I, and I said, as great as it is to, you know, get major league teams over here during the season, you know, it's pretty hard, but get minor league teams over here, bring bring the triple A all-star game here. And Mm. and all of a sudden, you know, build stuff up that way. And and it got me thinking about all kinds of things. Like, honestly, just being around England for, I was only there for a week, but, you know, in, in trying to think about the way that they approach sports. And I mean, it's a sports mad culture, but we have so many sacred cows when it comes to baseball and so many things that we think that we can't change about the way baseball works, but that we actually probably can change. And one example that I always give is that I think World Baseball Classic game should be seven innings long because the pitch limitations in the beginning where guys can only pitch like 40 pitches. Well, if you make the game seven innings, that changes that a lot. I'm not so tied to this idea that a baseball game has to be nine innings. Like, things change for a lot of reasons football changes its overtime rules every single year you know that doesn't yeah. and still can't get them right and they can't get them right, right. but I, I go even further than that and i wonder you know if you look at you know 
if you look at the goal of trying to expand the sport internationally, obviously you're dealing with time zones no matter what. Well, what are the easiest times for European fans to watch games? You know, it's it's obviously weekend games that start at one o'clock. Those are all those all become primetime events there. Well, first off, maybe we just need more one o'clock games, but also maybe we just need fewer weekday games in general. Maybe it's time to start looking at the baseball calendar, not in a way of cutting out like, you know, 20 games as people sometimes talk, but maybe we're cutting off more. And, and I'm not saying any of this stuff is right or practical. I just, I like sports that are willing to say that every single thing we do is not perfect, that we can adjust right. things we do. And I think if we're approaching, you know, a goal of, you know, trying to build the biggest international platform we can, I think some of these changes are going to be necessary. It's actually interesting if there were more London fans that are Cubs fans just based on the fact that they could watch more live games because the Cubs mostly had day games for a long, for a long time. Now, I mean, of course, they have a lot more prime time, but... Uh, but every every Friday home game is still a day right, game. It's exactly. the only Friday game they can watch. Friday, Saturday, Sunday almost is right. pretty much all well, Saturday, games. Sunday, there's a lot of teams on the game, but Friday, sure. the Cubs basically have that market cornered. Yeah. The other thing that you mentioned, though, the AAA All-Star game, I think in terms of fandom, if you consider... And I bring it back to football because I think a lot of times now football has become very player-centric, too, in, in the way that you... And even in basketball, but you follow guys out of college that you've watch for a long time and you start to get really invested both from a fantasy perspective but also just by oh man I love this defensive end I can't wait to see him explode on this bad team and make them good again if you bring up the triple a I mean how many people love the fact that they knew about Aaron Judge when he was in Trenton you know and now got to watch him develop and develop and develop and become this superstar I think there is a certain level of excitement for fans, really, though, when you can watch somebody develop and then make it to the major leagues and you have this connection, like watching like one of your favorite bands, right? That you start growing a local band and then all of a sudden they get big. You were there from the beginning. And I think that maybe is something that you're, you're introducing there, too. You see a couple of guys shine in London for a week or a month or even whatever new idea that maybe minor leagues could impose and... And suddenly you have fans that are really invested in a trade that happens with, you know, some big AAA guy that they just have found out. Well, I think that kind of speaks to a problem, just an overall problem that baseball has is making these stars recognizable and personable and relatable. Right. You know, you've, we've made a bunch of comparisons to the NFL, but look at why something like the NBA is so popular in China. It's not because people in China are huge Cleveland Cavalier fans, but because LeBron James was a superstar at the height of the NBA making its way overseas there. So now you have fans that are attached to the great players in that league more than they are the fans. And I think more than they are the teams, excuse me. And I think that's really key for any sport that wants to expand overseas. I mean, the challenges, though, of course, are the fact that baseball, it takes much longer to develop these guys. So you're not just getting somebody that, wow, he, he hit a home run when I saw him in London. Why isn't he on the major league club? You know, there, it obviously takes a lot of speed bumps to get to that point. And even then, you're just coming up for maybe a September call up. Maybe it takes another great spring training to get on the, the club in April. It, it takes a while for some guys to get to that point that fans are very eager to see happen right away. And yeah, I think the larger point is that I hope to see 
out of the box ideas like this because you know the one point I kept hearing from the people I spoke to was you can't just give us two games and expect us to understand exactly what your culture is and everything about it. The, the Jack Brown, the guy I was speaking to who runs the Yankees UK Twitter's account, he's never been to America. He's never been to a baseball game. He's coming in April here for his first time ever to see a game. That was his first time watching a baseball game. And he is in the top, you know, 0.1% of fans in England who are ready for this event. And yet he was, you know, wide-eyed and amazed at a lot of things that were happening. But it was still so, such a foreign thing for him to see. The point is you can't just drop the sport in there and say that you've done your work on and building this brand overseas. That's what I learned. You need to think about different ways of doing it. And again, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how willing they are to be radical with some of these things. The people, you know, from my time at Major League Baseball who work on the international side are very smart people, very interesting people with great ideas. And I mean, again, I'm someone who absolutely adores the World Baseball Classic and loves watching it grow. But I really hope that this is something that we start seeing grow for a while. But yeah, yeah, that was just a fun little discussion. I'm, I'm glad uh, you know to be able to share some of kind of my observations from what I saw over there. It was really a fascinating way to approach the country by really trying to look at the thing that I kind of know the best and see you know how it works there. But when we come back, let's do some predictions for the 2020 season. About time we should uh, have a couple chats about things that are going to be happening. Hi, this is Garrett Cole. You're listening to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. The Yankees Magazine Podcast is also brought to you by MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand with MLB.tv. Your subscription includes MLB at Bat Premium, allowing you to stream live baseball on your favorite supported devices. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details. Hey, it's John. Before we get back to the podcast, I have to tell you about our growing Yankees Magazine podcast network. This year, we've launched a brand new podcast called Deep to Left with Bucky Dent. That's right. The man responsible for one of the most iconic Yankees home runs in history is co-hosting his very own podcast throughout the 2020 season. He'll tell stories, talk to former teammates, and give his thoughts on the current squad. We've already premiered the first episode, and we can't wait to see what's in store for this year. But we want to hear from you. Subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, and leave us a review. Tell us what stories you want Bucky to share his thoughts on, what you like and dislike, but mostly like. Or send us an email, podcasts at yankees.com. Deep to Left with Bucky Dent is available wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on the growing Yankees Magazine Podcast Network, visit yankees.com slash podcast. Back to the show. Okay, we are back. Who's ready to play a game? I'm love, ready to play. Love games. Two for two. So I think we should handle this two ways. The first thing we need to do is really get ready with some um, things that we want to watch this year. And then we're going to you know, set some betting markets for our, our fans. So you know, let's start off. We're going to do a draft on storylines that we are most excited for. And then at the end of the season... I will decide which storylines were the best and therefore who won the draft. So I think that's a fair <laughs> way to do things. Gary, as the youngest person here, why don't you start? Well, one thing I'm very uh, curious to watch is 
Miguel Andujar this season, just kind of generally speaking. I think it'll be interesting to see how he responds at the plate from a year off. And I'm also really curious to see this left field, first base, utility experiment, especially now with so many injuries in the outfield at the start of the season. He's looked pretty good out there since spring training began, since I first started putting him out in left. Hasn't gotten as much experience at first base yet. And uh, so far this spring, the swing, that helicopter swing, still looks beautiful. So looking forward to seeing him back in the lineup. Yeah, that was a really good first draft pick. Thank you. <laughs> Jake, beat that. Okay, I'm going to go with the easy money here. I'm going to say, how will Garrett Cole respond to playing for the Yankees? You've seen Garrett basically say everything correct from the moment he was signed to this point in time. He has effectively mapped out his entire time here in New York and said, look, I understand exactly what I'm expected to do. I'm expect We're expected to win world championships. We are ready to go. I, I just want to know what it's like for him on the home side in Yankee Stadium, in the pinstripes, and not playing in a Pittsburgh or a Houston, places where, you know, it's a smaller area market, I guess you could say. Houston's obviously a big city, but not near the amount of attention and presence as the media. So, Garrett Cole, how do you respond? That's an awesome one. I'm going to stick around Houston, and I'm going to say my favorite storyline is going to be every single time Houston goes <laughs> on the road this year. And just to bring it home to the Yankees, it's going to be when Houston comes to New York. I... It's going to be a long time, though, September. I know, and, and things will have changed by then. I am. I hope I'm already on the record for this. If not, allow me to get on the record. I am opposed to retaliating by throwing a lethal object at people's heads, and I would encourage everyone not to do things like that because I think it's horrible and I think it's boorish. So I hope that there's more creative fun that Yankees players, much like other players and fans, have with the Astros. I think that... It's going to be very fun to watch how that team responds all year long. And I think that it's kind of interesting to see what had been such a, for a long time, cuddly and likable team become the absolute public enemy number one. <laughs> but that that is the storyline that I'm most looking forward to this year. So I've just decided that this draft is going to snake. So I will go with my next pick. I have a question before we continue with the draft. Just on the rules. You said at the end of the year you'll be making judgments on, on the best story. So what is the system for fairness <laughs> when it comes to judging your own selections? To be determined. I'm perfectly happy for fans to email in with both their most looked forward to storylines and also how they would judge our picks. But, you know, I, I wield a pretty heavy hand here on the Yankees Magazine podcast. Yeah, for, for our listeners, I think John's a pretty stand-up guy, but... I think your input might be <laughs> might be handy in this particular case. By the way, John, when you say creative creative ways, I guess, to greet the Astros in, in ballparks, are you maybe suggesting that the, like something that, that the Braves did, which we saw this week, which was put up a song on their uh, PA system called I Saw the Sign while the Astros took the field? <laughs> yeah, what are, you, what are you doing? How would you handle this if you were in a position to do so? Now I would do that because that was awesome. I didn't know that happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. No, but that is exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, I hope that every single team within the rules that are allowable by the league, within rules allowable by stadium security and everything like that, and again, <laughs> without throwing baseballs at people's heads, let's just take that off the table. I hope that everyone has some really creative ideas to 
have some fun with this team that really deserves it. All right, what is your second one? My second pick is going to be Glaber. He could not have possibly had a better season last year than he did. I mean, you couldn't have hoped for more. He really held the team afloat in a lot of ways when DD was out, and now shortstop is his. And so let's see what he does. I don't think that he's going to hit you know, 431 home runs in Baltimore again, maybe just 412. But, you know, I'm really fascinated to see exactly what it is that he's able to do this year and how he's able to grow. Because the funny thing about him is that with how good he was last year, he's still so incredibly young and there's still so much more to see from him. All right. It's my turn, right? It is. Okay. So I workshopped this with Gary. I think we're going to call it hashtag next man up 2.0. Question mark. Question mark. (laughs) because when you think about what happened last year, next man up, I mean, there were so many incredible players that came through unexpectedly and they came up at a very necessary times when, when guys were, were down with injury. Will that happen again? I think that's a big question mark because it already seems as though that might be needed in April and May. And now that there is an expectation for them, now that they have established themselves last year when there wasn't much, how do you deal with that mentally? How does Mike Talkman kind of bounce back? How does Gio Urshela bounce back after some really great years? I think that's going to be a big question mark going into the very beginning of this season, especially because now they're going to be relied on a little bit more. And I think fans now know their names much more. How do, how do they respond to that? Kurt Cole and next man up to put out those are some that's a solid team you're building right now I I'm I'm happy with my choices a lot of depth pretty Gary. pretty solid choices all around so far uh, I'm gonna take one of last year's next men up focus specifically on him you mentioned Gio Urshela really excited to see what he does this year after a breakout season last year you now 314 average 21 homers Kind of came out of nowhere, but then you listen to people in the organization like Brian Cashman, like Aaron Boone, his teammates talk about him and what he's capable of, and it makes you think that last year wasn't a fluke, but we're going to find out whether that's true or not this season. The third base job is essentially his, so he's going to have that chance, and uh, I'm curious to see what his numbers look like at the end of the year with another full season of playing time. Great pick. Thank you. Snake, snake it back. What do you got? Snake it back. What do we got? I'm going to reference one of the points I made earlier when we were talking just about what we've seen in spring training. And I'm going to go back to the young pitchers, the young starters that the Yankees have, the Davey Garcias, the Montgomerys, the Lucigas, Kings, Schmitz of the world. Some of those guys are going to make a really big impact this year. And I'm curious to see how, when, how much we're going to see a lot of a few of them. Gary wrote about Mike King, and I feel like now he's going to like really take on the mantle of like, you're going to be the guy who knows about all these back-end young and up-and-comers. I feel like that's going to be your thing. I think, it's, I think it's fun because you know, it's been a while since they've had so many young arms to get excited about. So I think that's kind of a cool aspect of this team, especially when you look at the current injuries to the rotation the injuries to last year's rotation and maybe the lack of depth that was there to replace them. I think even though Garrett Cole was technically the only big acquisition they made over the offseason, they're a much deeper team when it comes to starting pitching this year. All right, so my third and final? Is this our last one? Probably not. I think we're going to do a fourth round. Okay. (laughs) Well, I just need to know my hierarchy here, but I'm going to go with the power surge question mark because I'm kind of excited to see if Brett Gardner 
28 home runs. I had to look again. 28 home runs last year. And then DJ LeMahieu, 26 home runs. But career highs by good margins for these guys. Whether baseball itself has maybe deadened some of the balls since last season, I don't know if that's still a thing, but we saw in the postseason they were a little bit less of a source home runs were. I think that will certainly impact some of the way that offenses function in general. If the home runs aren't coming off the bats as they used to, does that change up the way that maybe Aaron Boone runs the offense a little bit more? But in general, I'm just kind of curious individually to see if these guys can keep up their home run searches. That was actually going to be exactly what I said for my third round to see how the ball moves this year. You took Glaber from me before, so that's good. All right, well, that's fair. He stole that's it. good. Makes me happy. Good job, Jake. <laughs> so that was a really, obviously, I think that was a very good choice. Top marks for you. Um, I'm going to stay somewhat on that theme. And this is not about the ball. This is about Yankees power in a different way, though. I'm really curious about the Judge and Stanton thing, if we ever truly get to see them Mm -hmm. dominate on the field together at the same time. I am absolutely not someone who thinks that Giancarlo Stanton is through or anything like that or that he doesn't want to be out there. And, you know, Judge has had just such bad luck over the past few years in a lot of ways, too. The fact remains, though, you get those two on the field together and you basically have an impossible lineup to pitch to. I mean, it's just... We haven't seen it enough. I mean, you want to throw in Sanchez. You want to throw in Torres. You want to throw in LeMahieu and the things that he can do. So much of that, you know, think about how much this team achieved last year without Giancarlo Stanton in the lineup. And we know the kind of player he is when he's in there. And so I'm just really looking forward to seeing how much of him we get to see. Do you think, just to add on, do you think that the fact that Didi is now no longer in the Yankees, that they will miss a lefty in the middle of that Gary, Aaron, Giancarlo mixture there? I think they will. I think it helps with the new the three-man new rule, right? rule that you can't just, you know, pop in a lefty, right. you know, to, to neutralize one guy at a time or things like that. So, that, you know, we're going to see a little left, less of that. But sure, of course it would. I mean, you, you can make the argument that actually that makes it even worse for them because, you know, now they don't need to go to the situational lefty in that, in that one odd time. But the one thing that you you see about this team in general is that you know they prioritize guys who have good splits on both sides they're very analytical in that way of making sure they're not getting guys who are just black holes against you know righties or things like that so i don't think that that's a killer necessarily but yeah i think that there were definite advantages to having dd in there and i think you know that's no small part of the reason why brett gardner's back you know there's a lot of reasons why it's valuable to have brett gardner back but also not only was he a guy with good power, but he was a guy with it from the left side. You know, I know that they're going to be excited when Hicks gets back as a switch hitter, but a good question. So now number four for me, it's hard because I, I had my, <laughs> my plans all made there. Number four for me, the thing that I always enjoy watching is Gary Sanchez. I think that he's a player who will never be able to kind of catch up to the narrative about him. He's kind of in a sense this team's hillary clinton where everyone kind of has their mind made up about him i feel and no one's mind will ever change about gary sanchez i think that he is obviously an elite hitter i think that he is a good catcher who you know if you talk to people on the yankees they believe he's a very good catcher there's no reason to think that he's not ready for just to take his game to even another level i think that he seems to at least early on this spring, have enjoyed working with Tanner Swanson, the new catching coordinator. I think that 
you know, Matt Blake is probably going to have some interesting things to do there too. Cause obviously the pitching coach has a lot to do with, you know, and, and vice versa, the catcher has a lot to do with the success of the pitcher's coach, pitching coach. But I, I just think that Gary Sanchez is such an elite player and such an interesting guy. And one thing that I love about him is he's not the world's easiest interview and it's only going to get harder now with everything happening in mixed zones. But just for all the people who have their opinions on him one way or the other, just read the quotes that he gives, read his comments about things. He's so insightful and, you know, I I don't want to get into this whole thing here about why it is that people have the wrong ideas about him or, you know, what might be causing some of those things. You could probably read between the lines, but I, I just find that when I speak to him, I find him fascinating. I think when I read things he says, I find them fascinating. And you top that off the fact that he is just an incredibly good baseball player who I don't think gets his due. I think that I would love to see him just hit on all cylinders this year. I just want to specify, because we were talking about this the other day with him being so interesting and saying such insightful things. And I think maybe if you're a fan, you're thinking to yourself, are we talking about the same Gary Sanchez? But I think a lot of those situations where maybe you're getting a mundane or a boring quote from him are in, you know, post-game scrums, whereas John's done a lot of interviews and work with him where he's talking one-on-one or one-on-one through a translator. But in that those situations, the stuff Sanchez says is incredibly interesting, you know, not your run-in-the-mill quotes. So I would encourage fans to look out for that type of stuff. All right, so John, you kind of did steal mine just there, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> I will. Yeah, you got your payback, but I will counter with the the fact that this year, as we've kind of discussed, the back end of the rotation is a little bit up in question, which usually uh, meant last year too, with the last uh, starting rotation member was an opener from Chad Green most of the time. And the ways that they kind of tinkered around that, that obviously relied a lot on the Yankees bullpen in itself. So when you have Tommy Canley and Adam Warren and Zach Britton and uh, I just said Adam Warren, Adam Montavino, excuse Adam me. Adam Warren's back. He is for, back for a third time. He will not be <laughs> up this year. And and Aroldis Chapman, those four, incredible last year will they be able to keep the same level as a unit together? I think that's a big part of Aaron Boone feeling comfortable going with guys like Loisiga and Sessa and and some of these maybe early openers like Chad Green, like I mentioned, is does he feel comfortable giving them the ball enough to let the back end of the bullpen do its thing like it did all last year? All right. This is the last one, right? Yep, this is it. All right. Uh, Take us home. Yeah, I, I, who is Luke Voigt? I, I think that's a big question that we got to answer this year. You know, last year he had some ups, he had some downs, he obviously had some injury struggles, he had surgery over the offseason. So, I mean, this is his job at first base. They're slotting him in there thinking he's going to be the player he was in the second half of 2018. And uh, we got to see that for a full season. And I'm interested to see if he's that guy. For Yankees fans... They hope that in the context of this draft, he's not Mister Irrelevant, right? Look at, look at you! Look <laughs> at you! Way to bring it! Way to bring it in! So, okay, this is obviously fun and very subjective. Let's go objective for a second. Um, we're just going to do this lightning round style. I'm going to swap around who goes in which order. This will be very easy to track at the end of the year. Let's start. Garrett Cole over under 18 wins. Gary. Yes. 
Over. Over. I'm going to say under. 300Ks, Jake. Over. 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 Okay. Glaber Torres, 30 home runs. I'm going under. Over. I'm going to go under. Okay. Who's going to lead the team in home runs, Gary? That is going to be Gary Sanchez. Hmm. I'm going to go with Gary Sanchez as well. So I thought I was going to say Gary Sanchez to change it up a little bit, but now that you both have, <laughs> I'm going to say Aaron Judge. Isn't that funny that I'm like, fine, I'll say Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> More starts at third base. Gio Urshela or Miguel Andujar? Jake. Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela. I'll say Andujar. Let's make it different. <laughs> you just want you just want to get the points in case. Yeah. Are you playing this like competitively or, or you're just yeah. you're well, not really speaking the, your truth, are you? In yeah. my defense, I was supposed to go second that time once I heard Gary go in the other direction. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Remember when I said these were all going to be objective? <laughs> Better season. <laughs> James Paxton or Masahiro Tanaka? <laughs> Gary, why don't you start? Masahiro Tanaka. Masahiro Tanaka. Fine, I'll say Masahiro Tanaka too. Do you believe that though? Why do you care? Because you said we were being objective. I just want to know if you believe it. Well, or if you're trying, or if you're just you, playing the game you, here. You sound resigned to the choice. I mean, why can't it be both? It can be both. <laughs> How many combined home runs to Judge and Stanton hit over under 65? Hmm. I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under as well. I'm going to go over. Okay. What's the what's the breakdown for you? Fair question. Let's say forty three, thirty five. I think Stanton's going to play. Oh, I, th- wow. I think he's. I I have no reason to believe he's not. I mean, he's hitting right now, even though he's not really running. Right. Okay. Who makes? I'm going to go first in this one because I feel like it's been too long since I went first. <laughs> Who makes the first start among this group? Mike King, David Garcia, or Clark Schmidt? First start. So I'm going to say. Mike King. I'm going to go with Mike King as well. Hmm. I actually want to say Clark Schmidt. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I hope you're right. That's interesting. I don't know why I, I said I hope I, you're right. I, I, <laughs> are, I are, hope you I win? are you playing to win? Are you to be objective? Like you? No. I, I'm, What's your motive? I literally here, don't know it, what that means for me to say. I hope he's right. Does that mean that I hope <laughs> David Garcia is not good enough to start? I, 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 I don't. I, I'm interested in Clark Schmidt being good, and therefore that'd be cool to see him start. But once I said, I hope you're right, I realized, what does that mean about how I feel about Mike King and Davey Garcia? And I don't have an answer to that. That's what I meant. <laughs> I think it just means that you want all the best for Clark Schmidt, and that's just out of the context. It's in a vacuum. It's it's not any in- implication on the I think two. he's actively rooting against Mike King and Davey <laughs> Garcia. Sometimes I just want Jake to do well. Why can't that be it? Okay, lastly... Yankees wins over under 103 and a half. Oh, not 100. Okay, interesting. I'm going to say under. I'm going to go over. I'm going to say under as well. But I think there's still a very good chance to get 100. I think so too. I think if I said it at 100, I would go over. I think, especially the American League East. Yeah, that's a huge thing for because them. Because now you look at the Red Sox and their issues with, with personnel. Then you add in the Orioles and, and the Blue Jays still not being at a level. I mean, they're going to be better, but I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there within the American League East to kind of pave their own way and, and feel breathing room again come September. So I think it's very important, like probably like my job hinges on it, pointing out that this was just for fun and please, please, please do not go and take 
our suggestions and do anything, whether legal or illegal, that you might regret <laughs> in the future. But uh, that was fun. I, I enjoyed doing that. I can't wait to go back to this at the end of the season and kind of look back at where we were. Thank you so much for listening. I want to remind everyone, of course, that in addition to this, you can go download Deep to Left with Bucky Dent, our newest member of the Yankees Magazine Podcast Network. If you have any questions for us, please email podcast at yankees.com. If you want to subscribe to Yankees Magazine, go to yankees.com slash publications or call 800-GO-YANKS. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Read our long-form content at yankees.com slash magazine. And we look forward to speaking to you in two weeks. Have a great day, everyone. Hi, this is Jonathan Holder. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. The MLB Ballpark app will complete your next visit to Yankee Stadium. Buy and manage game tickets, redeem special check-in offers, access exclusive content, and much more. Download the MLB Ballpark app today by visiting yankees.com backslash ballpark app.